What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of The Roundtable. You do not have to change your dials. This is not a mistake. I am not RJ Ochoa. It is Tony Catalina running the show today. So for those of you who are upset about that, I apologize. Bear with us for an hour. I had to get the good guys with me to make up for that. Um, So again, this is a new, fresh set of people here on the round table. We got some old guys that have been here with us a few times and some new, fresh uh, talent as well. So starting off to the right here, you know him, you love him, Danny Phantom. Danny, how are you doing today, my friend? Man, I, I hope they love me. That's that's nice words because I'm not sure about that. Uh, I'm doing great. I just actually won a dinner bet with my wife. Um, we had this. We saw an actress on a show, and she thought it was one person. I thought it was someone else. She lost, so um, I, I won the dinner bet, so I'm in a good mood. It's always good. Hopefully that won't be your first win and only win of the night, I should say. And uh, for that sake, I know we were talking about it, Brandon, before uh, you hopped on here. Syracuse not looking too great. Do you think that's something indicative of what you're going to see tonight on the roundtable? I sure as heck hope not, but you know, I got my work cut out for me with great, uh, great folks like LP and, and Phantom, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Speaking of LP, we got LP Cruz in the house, and I wanted to ask you because I'm dealing with a snowstorm right now, and I believe where you're from, it was like mid 70s to 80s last week. Did you guys get some snow today or the last couple of days yourself? Yeah, we got flurries on Saturday, but other than that, it was been crazy, like 65 degrees. It's been nice, man. It's been kind of cool. <laughs> cool, awesome. So you know. When you're with the Cowboys and you cover the Dallas Cowboys like we do, there aren't many days where you can say, like, okay, there's not much going on. And uh, that honestly is like today, where today uh, Stephen Jones at the Combine in Indianapolis getting a chance to do the round. So a lot of our conversation will be centered around that topic and those things that they talked about. And there was a ton of information out there. Um, And uh, I want to start with you, Danny, um, before we kind of really get into it at all. Is there anything without spoiler alerts that you saw or heard from Stephen Jones that caught you by surprise, or is it a little bit more of the same that you're used to? There was one particular comment that he said about one particular player that I was a little bit surprised uh, by, but he did, he then went in full Jones mode and kind of hedged it a little bit. So um, yeah, without getting into any details, there was I think the, the comments he talked about with Tyron Smith was something I was a little bit surprised about. And that's easy. And that's something that uh, we definitely will talk about and get into. Um, how about yourself, Brandon? I mean, I know you said that you had some work, but you're able to catch some of the some of the news here. Um, anything catch you by surprise early on today? Yeah, honestly, I, I mean, I, I, the Tyron Smith thing, that, that really kind of caught me off guard because I, I, I heard rumblings that, you know, maybe – maybe Tyra Smith was, uh, you know, going to be moved on. So that was, that was kind of a surprise, but I, I do like the fact they were very, you know, uh, Stephen was, Stephen Jones was very, very staunch about that. And, and uh, he was very optimistic about Terrence Steele's, uh, his, his ACL. So that's, that's another piece of information that I like to see. And that uh, looks like he's going to be ready to go uh, pretty quick, which is good. I mean, and then the usual stuff, I mean, I mean, CD lamb and, and, and Trayvon Diggs are, are part of the future. I think we all kind of known that. I mean, that's kind of an obvious thing. And then the priority of bringing back uh, Donovan Wilson, I think, I think that's kind of an obvious thing as well. So I mean, it's it's a lot of the same same stuff we're used to. But I'm glad that we got a little bit more information on on the Tyron Smith situation because you know with free agency and the draft uh, coming up, it's it's good to uh, good to, it's good to get some of that information out there. So you know maybe we have an idea on where the Cowboys are going to go in in, a, in that direction, maybe in a draft or in the free agency. 
you know, I, it, I heard what you said there and it kind of re reminded me, and this is kind of what we're going to lean into our first topic here was the Tony Pollard conversation. Um, if you listen to Stephen Jones and seen some of the comments, he, he didn't outright say like, Hey, we're definitely going to give it to Tony Pollard, but it feels pretty good that we're going to use the franchise tag. So if we're able to use our context clues and use our common sense, who they're going to use it on, I'll ask you Danny first question here. The franchise tag is likely for Tony Pollard. In your mind, is that the right move? Um, yeah, well, for, for starters, I totally, I mean, when he said, you know, can't try to come back and say, well, you know, it, it's not necessarily going to be for Pollard. It's like, are you kidding me? I mean, there's no other choice that makes any sense. And so it's obviously going to be for Tony Pollard. Um, whether or not it's the right move, I mean, that's a good question that, I mean, honestly, there are a few different um, ways to look at this that aren't bad ways that actually I could go either way. But for me personally, you know, we talked about this last week as well. I do think it's the right move. I, I feel like it gives them a a known commodity for the next year. Whether we he's part of the long term mix or not is a different story. But immediately, you know, we get him for another year. And and I tweeted this right before the sh the show is that that gives us two drafts basically to find a, a replacement. We can this year and then the, the next year as far as finding a viable running back that they come in and, and step in. So I think it's the smart move to, to do that. I mean, I don't think you want to go into 2023 without having, you know, one of your more explosive playmakers on your roster and, and Pollard is certainly that. So I have no problem with, I know people don't like to spend resources on running backs and that makes, I understand that's, you know, but Pollard 10 million, I'm, I'm not losing any sleep over. You know, and it's it's a good point. You're not going to lose any sleep over it. It's a it's a philosophy that may be different depending on who you're asking, who you're looking at. But LP, I, I speaking of philosophy, I know you've been pretty vocal about uh, the way you would handle the running back position and the certain guys in this room. So, as far as you're concerned, and what you see here and hear about Tony Pollard possibly getting the tag, in your mind, is this a move that you would make? And even though that looks like it, maybe, or would you handle it somehow differently? Yeah, I mean, in most of the recent conversations that we've had, I think I was staunch from the jump. Hey, if it's $10 million for the tag, do it. And I said that way back in October. And now it's true for me even more so. Uh, I think the tag is the right move because of the clarity it'll give you. And I know it's not exactly the type of clarity you want, but it lets you buy more time, like Dan was saying. You buy more time with the Elliott situation. You buy more time with your options in free agency. Plus, I'm kind of favoring one particular running back in free agency that's kind of cheap that you can pair with. Tony Pollard on the tag, or maybe a guy in the draft. So it's the right move. Uh, I think Pollard's underutilized, but at this point in time, the ship has sailed. You don't want to reinvest a lot of assets into a running back anyway. So given he's been hurt last year. So, yeah, right move, 100%. Awesome. So, you know, Brandon, I ask you a little different question to this, right? Um, I, I guess it's two-part, and what I'm going to ask is, Brandon, would you tag – Tony Pollard, and is this a move for one year kind of as a stopgap? Are you looking to move and have Tony Pollard be the running back for this team in the future? Or are you kind of just, you know, holding space until they go ahead and draft the full replenishment of that backfield? I think I think for now, just to see how he recovers from the from the lower the lower leg injury, I think that's it's it's gonna be a one year to see how he does. I do think if he has a really good breakout season, or at least maybe, you know, throughout the year he's looking pretty decent, I think that they could make it into a long-term contract. But as we've seen with the Zeke contract situ uh, situation, I don't know if I'd like to see the Cowboys invest that much capital. And then with the, with the NFL draft coming up, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of running backs that you can get later on in the draft. I mean, a lot of people are talking about Bijan, Bijan Robinson. I just, I think drafting him in the first round, I think it's just, that's a little too heavy for, uh, for the other needs that the Cowboys have. I'd like to see them go in a different direction, at least for the first couple rounds. But, you know, there are some really good running backs and, and there's there's guys like I know Mo Ibrahim. He's a he's you know, he's like a you know late round pick, but he's he's a bruiser. He's got a lot of tread on the you know, he's had a lot of wear and tear, but he can he can come in. He could fill if you don't want to keep Zeke around. You could you know, you could fill that role with him. I mean, uh, I know LP was mentioning uh, some maybe some possible free agents. There's one name that I could think of. And, and Deontay Foreman is a, is a guy that I, you know, I like. I think he could fill that role as well. You guys know me. I'm a very, I'm very much a Zeke guy, and I'm not going to back off of that. I would like to see Zeke on a smaller contract, a, a little bit cheaper. But you know, a guy like Deontay Foreman, I think he'd be a, a good play. And, and, and kind of circling back to Pollard, I just want to see. I mean, for 10 million for one year to see how he bounces back from from this injury, it, it's it's 
I think it's worth, worth the, uh, you know, worth the payment and, and, you know what, let's see what he does. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll circle back after the 2023 season and see where we're at. And let's not forget about Malik Davis. I think Malik Davis is somebody that, you know, could also have a, have a role with the team going forward. So, you know, and he was undrafted. So you can get, you can get great value, you know, even, even late rounds or undrafted free agents. There's so many options out there. I think right now, Tony Pollard is the most explosive player, you know, on the team. And um, I just want to see how he does in 2023 post injury and then, you know, kind of take it from there. You know, so if, if my two cents is worth anything here, and for the record, if you know and watch roundtables, you know that as the host, I can't win. I'm going to be the one giving out the points and, you know, kind of dictating who wins this. So just to keep that in mind, I didn't mention that at the top. But for me personally, I think, Brandon, you're kind of right on the money with that. I think um, for me, it was I think there's going to be a reset of this running back room and it may take a year or two to do so. I, I'm right there with you. I used to be or, you know, still am like a Zika Elliott fan. I was in that fan club but for that money for that like that role i think they can have better resources and use that in a better um better manner in that sense though i don't know if i want to throw it all out so i think having tony pollard here for one year on 10 million dollars where next year you're not tied to the man and he doesn't have to be here and you can have a whole different backfield if that makes sense financially whatever the case may be let that play out so it is an interesting question it is an interesting situation um, I think we're pretty close in lockstep and how we would handle it but there is a part of the running back room that maybe we'll see some division and I'll start with you Danny on the f- first question here Stephen Jones says he is not afraid to draft a running back in the first round but in your mind is that a wise decision well, I don't know necessarily that I could answer that right now. Um, I would say in, in I would say ninety three percent of me says it's not wise. Um, I'm certainly not going to rule out a player like Robinson if uh, I haven't done my board yet. I don't know if he's twelfth on my board. Maybe is the answer to that. I'd, so I I don't know, and maybe that's why Stephen Jones is being vague. But I I do believe that the Cowboys can find someone at a different position that can help them because you know that's going to be beyond what you would expect from a running back Um, so i to me i i have learned my lesson i I, i'm also a big z guy or i should say i was a big z guy i I love i cheered when they dropped him fourth overall i you know i thought that the extension was a good move but i i did not learn my lesson then because it's just there is a shelf life for running backs and, you know, that Zeke's showing that. And there's so much data that shows that. And the thing with with moving on with Pollard, too, is I also love Tony Pollard. I, he doesn't have quite the wear, but my, my heart wants to just re-up on him because I just want him around forever. But I've learned my lesson that sense to where I don't think that's a good idea. So I feel like one more year of Pollard is the way to go, which brings me back to here. I don't want to spend a first-round draft pick on a running back, especially in – a deep draft class. We all have our own favorites. You know, I got mine. I don't think I would, I think that the Cowboys would be more beneficial if there was a player that they could fill a, a, a stronger need. That's, you know, you're going to more likely to sign to a second contract. So I, I am not, uh, I'm, I'm just hoping that it's, there's a, a player that they love more than uh, Robinson or Robinson's gone or something. So I am not, um, I'm not even buying it too. I don't think, I don't think Jones is, is is even meaning that he's would actually do it, but they don't deal in absolutes. They're not ruling anything out. So who knows? You know, so LP, we've had this conversation at nauseum about the running back spot here. And, you know, obviously you can have the questions or, you know, talk about and debate if the return on investment of taking a running back at the fourth pick is, you know, if you're ever going to really truly see that. Right. Um, but do you have a difference of opinion about it when it's the 26th spot instead of the fourth? And is this a move that you would consider or are you downright not for it? So I'm not for the move. And I wouldn't do it. However, if I did want to play devil's advocate to this and say, take, for example, last year, right? You draft Tyler Smith. Cowboys Nation is up in arms and they're ready to burn down the village. However, you take the player, you stack the board after the first round pretty well. Not too bad. Not too shabby with the haul you put in. So if the move is made, I would still have to wait and see how they stack the board the rest of the way and whether or not I'm pissed off about it. Now, that being said, would I do it? Absolutely not. 
and the reason why with this team kind of projecting their 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 trend uh, trends and tendencies, if they take the guy in the first round, they're going to likely try to extend the guy in the first round, which I don't want them to do. That's the first thing that you got to talk about. Plus, again, the running backs, we all have our pet cats. Um, we I've talked about Charbonnet a bunch, Chase Brown a whole lot. There's so many other options after that situation. Even like you said, uh, Dave, you said Deontay Foreman, who I, I like a lot too. I feel like if you don't get a player in the free agency, then you're going to be probably inclined to make that decision. I don't want them to, but that's how it looks like. So you have to say to yourself, all right, look, don't do this, but absolutely supplement your board with somebody in free agency. You have to do that. So me, I'm saying, no, don't do it. But if they do, I'll wait for my pitchfork after the fact. So we'll wait and see, but I shouldn't do it. You know, Brandon, I kind of want to ask a piggyback off of that, and maybe it's a little different. Um, does the player in your mind, the way that people view Bijan Robinson as one of those, you know, top tier backs, where if if it wasn't the running back position, he would be somewhere in in the top ten, or people would feel a lot differently about him with the value not attached to that player. If he's sitting there at twenty six, is it going to take? You know, are you drafting for need? you know best player available like what is going to come or stop you from taking that player in that spot or are you just going to pull the trigger on that and just be happy with the outcome i mean there's a multitude of ways you could go with it i mean if you know my board obviously is probably gonna be different than everybody else's and especially the jones family but you know if, if your best player on the board if there's you know if you're you know your guys that you have a first round grade on are off the board at this point and there's there's a team knocking on that door to get that fifth year option you know, for, for a B. John Robinson, somebody's, you know, hot on the heels that wants, you know, wants the player, then I'm, I'm answering, I'm picking up the phone and, and taking, you know, seeing if there's a, a good offer to be made and, and even trading back and getting some, you know, even some more draft capital. I just, you know, I, I think, I think there's other needs that are, you know, way more important than, than the running back position, you know, especially if Tony Pollard, you know, we just talked about, he's, you know, he's going to come back for at least, at least one more season. I just, you know, I, I think you could get, you can get a, a quality running back, you know, in free agency, you could get, you know, you can get them in the late in the, later in the draft where you're not giving it, you're giving up, a, you know, a fourth or a fifth round, depending on what your, you know, what your flavor is. And if there's a guy that's, you know, perfect value there, but you also could go undrafted and then find and find a player that's just as good. I mean, I mean, I, I mentioned Deontay Foreman. I mean, he was driving, driving a trucking company for a little bit before he, uh, he, he got back in the league. So, you know, and, and you could get, you could find running backs and, you know, not all running backs are, are, are made equal, but, I, I, you know, for the, for the value, you can find guys that are pretty good off the, you know, off the streets though, and, 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 and get some good value. And you could, you could, you can, you know, you can, you know, you know, tie up some loose ends and some other positions. You know, I just, I wouldn't even go near it and near the running back position until probably early, you know, day three. I just think day three is where, where I personally would like to see, you know, if they're going to go running back, that's where I would go. But, you know, I think this is, I think this is Steven Jones playing, you know, playing a little bit of that smoke screen. I know that smoke screen season's kicking in. So with the draft, so there's always going to be some uh, some people out there that are going to take the bait. So maybe maybe this is you know if Bijan falls and and he is at 26, this is like oh you know what there might be a team that just wants to get up there and, and, and make you know make a play for him. So at the end of the day, I don't I don't want a first round a first round running back. I don't care how talented he is. He could be a generational talent. I just I would you know I would go to other needs that are that are more important that are going to make the team you know better overall. Hey Tony, can I ask one question before yes. we move on to this? Sure. Uh, here's the one element that I think when it comes to Bijan because it's not really will it take a running back in the first round. I think the real question is will they draft Bijan Robinson in the first round because it's Bijan and nobody else, right? Can we all agree? So uh, yes. I, I would say I would say Gibbs Gibbs I, I could see Gibbs in there Gibbs, too. Okay. I, I know a lot of people that are very high on Gibbs. I could see one of those. One I, I think it's a one a one or two back first round uh, you know uh, running back room at this point. But I I don't think I don't think the Cowboys should go either direction to be honest with you. Okay, and I only broach it that way because it seems like from Jump Street it's been Bijan 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 and nobody else, and he's being prophesized this like elite god tier level running back prospect. I don't fall in line with that. And I don't think he's like the best prospect I've seen since AP. Like, I don't think he's that guy. And I guess it's the bro- the breakaway speed. So I see a lot of the the contact balance, the nuance to the game. Sure, but again, if you take that guy in the first round and let's see, like, let's say year three, four, five, will he start to break down to the point where he's he's back where Zeke started or where Zeke is right now? And I feel like that's kind of my my hang up to say I don't think he's an elite premier prospect with elite breakaway speed, hence 
take him in the first round. That's where I stand. I don't know if you guys are thinking the same thing, but I haven't seen it discussed enough. So that's why I want to bring it up. You know, what you say, it makes a lot of sense and kind of brings us to Brian here in his super chat. Thank you, Brian, for the super chat. It means a lot. Um, you know, this is kind of how I feel. And I'll, I'll, I'll send it over to you, Danny, to get your comment on it. Brian says the question isn't price, it's value. Can you get similar running back production from someone else making three to four million dollars a year or even on a rookie contract? Cut Zeke, let Pollard walk and use Davis and draft a running back in the third or the fourth round. Danny, do you share this sentiment? Is this kind of how you feel about the running back position as a whole? Well, I agree. I mean, if you if they do hit the reset button and we don't have either Zeke or Pollard, then yeah, you can. I think you can do this. I think you could achieve it uh, by going after a, a, a lower price guy. And I'm glad you guys brought up uh, Foreman because I, you know, I wrote an article and I mentioned three running backs who could who can come in and, and be kind of a low, a low cost Stephen Jones type of uh, free agent. And um, he's one of them. And I, I think it's a possible. I think that you do want to kind of put running back a little bit as some a position that you're that you're already interested in for this draft you're coming away with a running back in this draft if you have that you know if you have a free agent malik davis and then a new rookie i think that's fine um but there's risk involved with that but i wanted to also talk about a little bit with what lp said and and with uh bijan robinson it's not so much how good i think he is as much as even when you have running backs that are supposed to be top 12 guys who are going to fall to the bottom of like, let's a, a guy that comes to mind to me is Najee Harris. I think that he's a player that P- P- Pittsburgh was people knew Pittsburgh was get him because of where they were sitting in the draft and people weren't going to take running backs. But I thought he was, I thought he was a really good running back. And I thought that was an outstanding value. But then if you look at the draft and you look at, you know, Ramondre Stevenson in the fourth round that the Patriots got, or what is it? Khalil Her- Herbert was a six round pick. And I think he's the only guy that has, a higher yards per carry than Tony Pollard this this season, uh, so there are great values to be found. So even even if you are enamored by a player of, of Robinson's skill set, um, it you know it doesn't mean it's going to be that much better than something you can get in later rounds. So that's why I'm not I'm not interested in, in going that route, even if he is you know a, a good player, because I, I just think that you could su- supplement that you know, for a, a lower draft cost. Uh, so that's my, my feeling on that. You know, and I, I kind of, I agree with that sentiment and I, you know, it'll kind of push us to our next topic a little bit and how you look at offenses are, you know, used in this league now, how running backs are valued and you can kind of look at who the signal caller is going to be this year. And we already know that's going to be Mike McCarthy. So we were told by Stephen Jones today in Indianapolis that it was McCarthy's decision to let more go. Um, and you know how we feel his his record tells that he is somebody that likes to throw the ball at the West Coast principles in his offense. Uh, how you feel about the running back position, how they fit into that is something that we can discuss and get further. But I want to start with you, LP, here with it being McCarthy's decision to let more go. Do you think he'll come to regret that? I that's a great question, actually. And the reason why I'm kind of stumped by it a little bit is. We know McCarthy's track record coming into Dallas, and we know the beliefs now that said, okay, he might not always do the day-to-day work or do his best from day in, day out with preparation. So he no longer has a scapegoat. He no longer, no longer has the whipping boy in the building. So it actually puts the, him at the forefront and at the vanguard of, hey, if this doesn't work out, we're going to look at you. It's your show, your offense, your choice. So I think, yeah, in the team falls short of expectations, he's the only guy to look to. He's the only guy to blame because – as we understand, they love Dan Quinn. So it won't be Dan Quinn's fault. It'll be solely his fault. So I do think if it doesn't work out, yeah, he's going to regret He's going to regret it for sure. And so, Brandon, I kind of want to ask you off of this. Um, you know, when you look at this situation, Mike McCarthy's running the show. It's his, it's his, you know, show to go now. Um, is this is this the most pressure you think he's felt in his career as a head coach? Like, you know, there is no more scapegoat, kind of like LP said. This It's all on him. It's sink or swim. Does he, A, think, you know, is he a type of coach that you believe in your mind can thrive in that environment? Or do you think ultimately something like this could be his demise? Well, he's going to have to thrive in this environment because I feel like the hot, the hot seat's cranking up. I mean, yeah, he's had a couple 12 and 5 seasons, but with the, the team that he's – the team that's been built around what he's been – what he's had to coach – I just think, you know, he, I mean, they gotta, they gotta get further into the, into the playoffs. I, I just, 
you know, divisional round is just, you know, that's that, you know, with that caliber of team, you, you can't, you can't play flat in, in those type of games. And, and I think he's laying it all out there. I think the Kellen Moore move was, I think it was a, it's, it's for survival. That's, that's how I look at it. I think he, if he's going to go out, he wants to go out on his own sword and he's going to, you know, he wants to, he wants to, you know, he wants to take on it and, you know, take ownership of everything and, and just throw the kitchen sink, you know, you know, at this, at this team and at, at this, you know, at this upcoming season. So I think, I think that's where it's coming to. I think it's coming to that point. So it's, can he do it? I, you know, the jury's out because I, I don't, you know, I, I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. So, it, you know, I'm obviously going to root for him because obviously if we're here this time next year, talking about Mike McCarthy still on the coaching staff, that tells me that we had a pretty good season last, you know, in 2023. So I'm just, you know, I, I have to take a, a wait and see approach to it. But I think at this season he's gonna have to he's gonna have to throw the kitchen sink or or uh, he's or this time next year we're gonna be talking about a whole different coaching staff. You know that's a good point, and I want to shout out what's the matter for the uh, super chat he gave us here. Uh, he, what's the matter said if we don't come into camp with a proven NFL running back, then for Dak's sake we better be legit loaded at wide receiver. And I think if you know by and large we said that Tony Pollard more than likely he's going to get the franchise tag. So in my mind, that's a proven running back, right? I don't know how Ezekiel Elliott is going to be handled, but I think in that estimation, that checks that box. Um, for that situation, I kind of want to ask you, Danny, um, you've had some opinions and some, you know, some real criticism of Mike McCarthy, you know, valid and in, in things of that nature. But is anything that's transpired since he's taken over in Kellen Moore's departure that has kind of swayed or made you think differently about Mike McCarthy and how he can handle this situation? No, no. In fact, I don't even agree that it was McCarthy's decision to let Moore go. I honestly think it's, I think, it, I think it was his decision to let Moore go as it was Jerry Jones's decision to let Jimmy Johnson go. I think that divorce was going to happen, whether McCarthy wanted it to or not. Um, I, but I do agree with what's the matter's comment too. I do think that if you look at McCarthy's years and final years in Green Bay, especially, and this is why I started not liking McCarthy in the first place, is I, he, I think he just puts too much on his quarterback. Of course, he did have Aaron Rodgers, and he got away with it quite a bit because Aaron Rodgers was fantastic. Um, but if we don't have supporting cast and a, and a running game to to work around for Prescott, and and he's going to just let Dak go out there and, and let it rip and, and take chances and stuff. I think it could be, it could end very badly for the McCarthy era. So I, um, you know, obviously as you know, Brandon said, we're all going to be rooting for him. We, we hope this is one of those situations to where that's the change that we needed, you know, and maybe Kellen goes on and has success with the chargers and both, both things can happen. And, and we hope that McCarthy, you know, has some of that early year play calling ability and he, he brings exactly what the Cowboys need to this offense. But if you're going to ask me if I think that's going to happen, my chips aren't going in that pile. So, I mean, I, I, I do think that this is a make it or break it. I mean, it's obviously a make it or break it for McCarthy. And if he falls short and the offense doesn't live up to – Kellen Moore had that offense humming. If, if, if they fall short of that, I'm, 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 the Cowboys will be looking for a new head coach in 2024. You know, so Danny kind of you made a you made a good point for me. A question that I'm gonna ask you, LP. Um, what does falling short from Mike McCarthy look like, right? I mean, we saw Kellen Moore statistically be in that top to five ten range offensively, statistically proven year in and year out for his four years. But uh, what does that look like for Mike McCarthy? Is it a divisional championship win? Is it you know a statistical measure? Is it progress or progression within you know Dak Prescott in that unit? Like, what does failure look like to Mike McCarthy? With this fan base and this team, it will never be about the stats. I'll, I'll be very clear about that. It will never be about the numbers. It'll never be about the, the, the feel goods. It's not what it's about. When he was hired, the baseline was an NFC title. You are, a, by pedigree, a Super Bowl winning coach. So this team, this roster, this nucleus expects, at the bare minimum, the bare minimum, the NFC title game. It's been, what, close to 30 years now. We're tired of that. And last year should have been the year. It should have been. Now, again, that's partially on the front office, too. But that's the expectation. That's what you brought him to do. You're the guy. You got to make it to the NFC title game. That, that's it. And if he doesn't, and it's, again, a divisional loss, and we don't care if it's pretty or ugly. It's just not going to work anymore. And I think that's going to be it. All right. Because now it's almost like the nucleus can work pretty good with anybody. If you want to boot him out and promote Quinn, you may get the same results anyway. So 
Yeah, that's it. He's got to be one rung above what he's been. And his whole franchise has been in the last 30 years. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. I think that's a fair assessment. I think, um, you know, statistically, if it mattered, you know, Mel- Kellen Moore probably would have still been here, right? If that statistical numbers mattered, it's about getting the hump in f- as far as playoffs and victories go. And um, Brandon kind of pivoted before we switch topics here. Uh, do you see with Mike McCarthy, the head guy running the show here in offense, you know, Bill Parcells said, if you, if uh, you want me to cook dinner, you got to let me shop for the groceries. With that being said, do you see Mike McCarthy and maybe how they roster construct? Are they going to be a little more aggressive? Do you see something like that happen now that Mike McCarthy's like head is on the chopping block, so to speak? Yeah. I mean, I, I think all, all bets are off on conservatism uh, with, with Mike McCarthy and that staff this year. I mean, he's, he's shaking things up. He's brought some familiar faces know, into the organization, like a Brian Schottenheimer, for example. So it, it, to me, I think he's, I think you're going to see the kitchen sink being thrown out. I think he's, he's going to go for it. I, I really think, I, I think like LP said, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I feel like it's, it's NFC championship or bust. Like, you know, at, at this stage of the game, like obviously we, as a fan base, we want to see Super Bowl, but we we're sick of, okay, we divisional round. Okay, cool. No, we want NFC championships. We want to be there. We want to be to the, we want to, we want to see the team get to the Super Bowl. But at a minimum, my, my thoughts are I don't care if they finish with 13 wins next year and, and, and only, you know, only the four losses. The stats don't matter. LP, now that he stole my thunder on that. That was, I mean, he made a heck of a point. At the end of the day, I want to see NFC Championship, or unfortunately, I think it's time to, 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 to look at other options and, and, and go in a different direction because, you know, the nucleus, like LP said, it's, it's literally we have the pieces in place. We just need the, the right coach to get us over the hump. And, and Mike McCarthy, I think this is the make or break year for him. And, and, and you know, if, if it doesn't get to the end result of at least an NFC championship game, I just don't, I just don't think, I, I think he's gone after next year. And you, and you spoke about the nucleus there and now kind of pivot us to our next topic. And I'll ask you LP first, Stephen Jones mentioned that, uh, talking about CD lamb and Trayvon Diggs that the, they're both in the team's future plans. Now with that being stated, we seems obvious to some people, obviously not, but it comes down to real contracts and real decisions being made. So I ask you that, what is your confidence level that they get both and keep both and get that done there? I think the one is Diggs will be more tricky. I do think that's the one's going to be more tricky. I think you have time with Lamb. You can do the option. You can do a tag if you have to. Whereas with Trayvon, it's a lot more immediate and it's a lot more sudden. This is the fourth year of the contract, and I don't put it past Trayvon not playing. Uh, it's possible. It's possible. I think we know how this team operates. They like to negotiate through the media and – I wouldn't see a situation where Trayvon Diggs says, you know what, until I get my new deal, I'm not showing up, and I might sit out. And he knows where this team is. This team is at a spot where what's opposite of him? I, I mean, I can't say for receiver too, but really, what is opposite of Trayvon Diggs? Brown's out the door. You really don't have an opposite boundary corner. So I think he might see the desperation and pull a Zeke and say, hey, I'm not coming in until you pay me. And uh, that might make for hard feelings. So that's hard to see. And I think that might be the one that's uh, a bit more – tenuous to have it done but I, I feel confident in lamb digs not so sure about that one you know danny i wanted to ask you next here um you you've been you've covered and followed the team for you know many years and you know your expertise and understanding of this front office and how they work is probably higher than anybody i've talked to and, and know so you understand exactly what they're looking for and kind of what they're kind of negotiating and how they do that so to speak do you see any complications, you know, arising with CD Lamb and Trayvon Diggs, or do you think that they can kind of handle this and not be messy, for the lack of better of a term? <laughs> uh, well, it kind of depends on your definition of, of, you know, messy or, you know, I, I, I think they will handle it. I'm not worried about it at all. To me, it's just a matter of of when it's going to happen. I think we're going to re up in both those guys. Obviously, we know um, 
we don't have to do it with Lamb until the following season because we do have the fifth year option that they will exercise for him. Um, so the, it will start with Trayvon Diggs, and you know, will it happen? You don't know. Uh, you know how they work. You know they're going to try to get the best deal. If, if it means that they're going to have to franchise tag him next year, then they'll do that. And you know, how, I mean, the Cowboys they they try to play hardball, and sometimes it works for them. Sometimes it doesn't. So I, I'm honestly I'm not worried. My confidence level is super high with both those guys. But I did want to just touch a little bit on a couple of things that you guys talked about. We're going back to McCarthy a little bit. Um, as far as the groceries comment too. I don't know that we want him buying the groceries. Uh, I think we got a little taste of it in 2020. The Cowboys kind of deviated from their normal approach. And we saw some actually, they spent some money on, you know, I think it's Don Terry Poe, um, Gerald McCoy, and, you know, haha Clinton. I mean, and it was just garbage. It's like the Cowboys got nothing. Granted, there's some injuries, but it was like they kind of deviated from the typical low cost type signings to like, okay, we're going to spend some money this year. And it backfired and they immediately just, you know, Clam back in their shit and got the back of their shell, and then it went back to their old ways. But yeah, I don't want I don't want McCarthy to get desperate to where he's like, I need these guys, to, or you know, because I think when like when Jason Garrett was on the hot seat in 2014, they released a Marcus Ware, and I'm thinking to myself, if, if if I'm a coach and I'm I'm out of here, you know that that's the last thing you want to do. You want to be all in, you know. But but no, they took the patient approach. So I would it would be very unsettling to me if they started doing some crazy stuff and tried to give McCarthy his one shot, and it, it could actually set the team back. But finally, I just want to say I also disagree with the guys in the sense of, like, what I value a successful season. To, to me, McCarthy doesn't have to go to the next step. It's really I, – I want, I want to look past the results and see what I'm seeing on the field. And, and the things for me is, like, I actually – started feeling disheartened about the team later down the stretch. And we were talking about give McCarthy his flowers and stuff, but it went because Cowboys were winning, but seeing how they played against Houston, you know, having to use the final minute to beat them and just some of the, the football that was being played to me, it was like, it was clear that I don't think McCarthy had this team prepared. So I, I think to me, those things is what, what matters. Is he going to get Prescott? got you know put him in a position where he can be successful or is he just going to just completely rely on him to do all the do all the work so those are the things that i will be looking at determine whether i think mccarthy belongs um here and i know they're absolutely right though as far as cowboy fans and everyone else you they better they better move to to pass the division round or else you know he's you know hasn't done his job i don't quite see it that way but that's just um i really think it's going to be tough for mccarthy and and, and unless he Unless he amazes me and he's the real deal, and I just don't think that's that's the case with him. You know, it's it's funny to kind of talk about that with Mike McCarthy. It's you kind of see with it being here all on him, right? And it and like you said, you don't love that. You don't love the fact that Mike McCarthy's got his back against the wall. And some people, in some instances, that that may get the best out of some people. And Danny, without putting words in your mouth, would you say that that probably doesn't bring out the best of Mike McCarthy in this situation? I. You know, I I don't even know how to answer that. It's, it's I just, I to to me, I just feel like so much of the Cowboys' success is dependent on the play of of four, and I really think that if he plays better, we're talking we're talking more highly of McCarthy. And you know, it's that's always the case. It's when you, with your quarterback, he's he's the most influential player. And we just happened to have a season where we got a taste of Dak playing phenomenal, and then all of a sudden Dak was not playing good at all. So. I don't know. I, to, to me, I just feel like sometimes the coach just gets, you know, I mean, ultimately he's responsible for the team. And of course we've heard McCarthy say over and over that he wants him to make those, those throws. Uh, I get what he's trying to say, but at the same time, you got to have your quarterback making good decisions. And I don't know. I just think that, the, that that's going to be the, the biggest straw for the Cowboys is what they can get from Prescott and how he responds after having a, a, a little bit of a down year this past season. You know, and it's funny, I'll come to you, Brandon, with this. Um, sometimes you always hear people say it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and Joe's, right? So kind of getting us back to the lamb and the digs conversation. Do you feel that they get this done and keep them both? Because like you said, you're the one that mentioned, you know, cornerstone pieces and guys that have the nucleus here. And I would agree, and I think all of us here, it's not controversial to say that they definitely are a part of that nucleus. Do they find a way to get this done? And do you think it'll be a relatively easy, smooth decision? Or do you think it's the Cowboys and they're going to make it messy per usual? 
Yeah, I think they get the deals done. And I, I mean, Messi and Cowboys, I mean, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's just what they've done for years and years. That's just, that's just how the Cowboys do it. That's their MO. And, and, and thankfully we don't have to worry about Micah Parsons contract for a few more years. So we, uh, we got it. We got a little bit of time there, but at the end of the day, we got to make sure there's enough money when, when, uh, when Mike is, when Mike is ready to get a, a new deal. That's, that's where I'm, I'm looking that far in the future because I think Micah Parsons is, you know, is the guy that needs to be a cowboy for life. As much as I love CD lamb and, and, and Trayvon Diggs, you know, Micah Parsons going out a little bit further. Micah Parsons to me is, is a guy that needs to be wearing that star in his entire career. He's just, He's such a he's such a talented player. He's a he's a generational talent, you know. You know, and, and Lamb and Diggs are both really good players. But I think I think at the end of the day, it, it, you know, we have to look at the you know at the picture, you know, at the long term picture. And you know, if we can keep Lamb Diggs and then get Micah Parsons a deal in a couple of years, you know, I, I think the Cowboys are in good shape. And, and we just got to see what happens with with four. You know, with Dak Prescott, is he going to get a new contract? Are they going to are they going to work his deal out a little bit? Like we, you know, we're we're, we're waiting to see what's going to happen there, but. You know, it's it's going to be messy. It's it's the Cowboys, and and with Lamb and Diggs, I hope and I'm I'm pretty optimistic that they'll be here long term. And I think I think Lamb and Diggs do know one thing uh, one thing in particular: who's the opposite of them? You know, who's who's the who's the number two guy behind them? You know, on the on the depth chart right now, and that's you know there's question mark there. So they have a lot of leverage, and it's going to be interesting to see how they and you know how you know how they and and their agents uh, you know have you know use that leverage to, to get as much money out of the Cowboys as possible. I just think it's, I don't think it's going to be smooth sound. I just don't see it. You know, and that's a good point, but you know, I wanted to bring to this cause Vance Williams kind of threw a, a little joke on there from my comment and shout out to the, for the super chat Vance, but I thought this was funny. It is about Jimmy's and Joe's, but bad coaching will make them look like Larry's and Moe's. And uh, you know, with me, don't forget, you know, this is the four of us and I am with the three stooges right now. So, you know, don't, don't worry, <laughs> don't worry about that. But, uh, I will say LP, I wanted to ask you this, or first I'll kind of give my two cents on this and you can tell me if I'm crazy or if I'm wrong. This is a team that prides themselves on, you know, drafting and drafting well and building their team from their own homegrown talent. And they tell that they don't really go out and spend free agency money because they like spending the food, you know, so to speak, the guys that they got at home. That's what they like to spend their money on. We're not going to McDonald's. We got McDonald's at home type of type of situation there. Um, if they don't get C.D. Lamb and Trayvon Diggs done or, you know, Micah Parsons or kind of keep the guys that they've built you know, drafted and developed in their own, does that kind of fall in deaf ears? And does that make them seem like they talk out of both sides of their mouth with that? You don't like your guys. You don't like your guys. And you know what? They, they really don't like their guys, to be honest with you. Because if you liked your guys, you wouldn't try to win negotiations on TV. You wouldn't do that. If you liked your guys, you get deals done quietly, like other teams do. Like Kyler Murray can get paid quietly. Well, not so quiet. But most guys around the NFL, they get their money and it's moved on. It's It's a press release it's not a press conference the negotiation is it. it's quiet but this is part of being messy like and we can talk about this and we can talk about free agency but a lot of this is having to win like and i said i haven't put a tweet out this week it's like think about the Dak contract in a couple years they should pay Dak now to avoid doing this but you know who this guy is he likes doing this this money mud wrestling in the media and it sucks because it breaks you over the back every single time you do it and again the nfl really is funny money Except these guys don't understand that the monopoly money isn't real. They're actually depositing it in the account. Like they don't get it. And that's that's a big part of the problem. But again, I mean, I, it speaks to you as a franchise that you can't do it because I think that I feel, I don't feel, I mean, I do feel bad for the fans. And I want to like drag this thing out. I feel bad for the fans. I really do. I feel bad for fans like you, like me, the guys listening to this podcast. I feel bad for you. But who I really feel bad for is Will McClay because he works hard to find these, these guys in the draft. He does his job great, but the team will not do the right thing and get better outside of what's on the roster or resign their own guys. So it's a waste, man. It, it, it's just you leave a lot of food on the table to, to, to go to where you're saying your analogy. It's a lot of food left on the table. Sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, you just mentioned Will McClay. And I kind of, Danny, want to ask you this question because it's spurred from Kevin's comment here. We pretend we draft better than we do. I don't know if that's entirely fair, but in your opinion, Danny, do, do you think the Cowboys get 
too much credit for the way they draft because they've had some misses and they've had some, you know, some situations where second round picks haven't really panned out, especially in recent history. Um, would you consider them to be one of the upper echelon teams that draft as well? Or is that more of like, you know, preconceived notion rather than reality? Nope. They're great. They're fantastic. And I, you're absolutely right. They don't hit on everything, but I mean, that is something that no team does. But if you look at how much they do hit, it's way above average. And I think this team does a fantastic job. I mean, they have to because they're not spending money in free agency to do this. So how is this team winning 12 games? It's, it's because they draft extremely well. And I and I'm, Will McClay deserves a tremendous amount of credit, and so does his scouting department. I think they've done a fantastic job. But I wanted to comment a little bit as far as this whole contract negotiation thing and I don't really think that the – I know the Cowboys in the media, it, it looks terrible, like they don't know what they're doing, but I don't necessarily agree that that's the case. I feel like the deals are the deals. They're, I mean, the Cowboys – there's two sides to negotiation. There's The Cowboys aren't getting the, the bad end of the stick because they're terrible at negotiating. It's because – this is what this is what the price of this player is, and and this is what the Cowboys are willing to pay, and they, they really try to do the best they can to get the lowest price. And you know when you talk about what the money you want to spend with his extra cap space for free agency to grab Odell here or this guy there or something, keep in mind we want Lamb, we want Diggs, we want Micah, we want all those guys. And the reason the Cowboys are going to keep all those guys is because they don't make those mistakes in free agency and they don't spend the money recklessly and they do negotiate and try to get the, the best deals. Now, are they perfect in their contract negotiation? Absolutely not. I mean, look at the Zeke deal. Look at the Jalen deal. There's, there's many of them that they, they mess up, but this team does a pretty good job of retaining their own players and keeping the players that we really want. I mean, it's outside of Amari. You can't, it's really tough to think of a player that the Cowboys basically let go. And we truly missed. We don't miss players like Robert Quinn. We don't miss players that walk. I mean, we just there's there's so many of them that just we just don't miss them. So I think they do a fantastic job, and they re, they're constantly recycling young players on rookie deals, and it's a great way to build a roster. And honestly, I don't think that the roster building process is is the reason that the Cowboys have not won. I think they're a talented team, and they have talent to do it. So I don't have any issues with that at all. McClay needs to keep doing what he's doing. And that's one of the better parts of this team, in my opinion. And, you know, and you're right. I mean, I, I, I do agree. This team drafts well. And you kind of hit it on the head for me when you said, how are they good? How are they competitive? You know, if, if they're not drafting well and they're not really free agent buyers. So and that is the, the biggest you know credit that you could have to Will McClay in this front office is that, you know, we can come off to 12 win seasons where, you know, myself included, we're kind of like, man, I wish they did more. I wish they did, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I was a little down on them compared the, to years prior but, you know, they put, you know, I ate some humble pie and, you know, I ate crow in some of the instances. And, you know, we didn't get to the ultimate prize and we didn't able to take it another step further. But you can't really deny what 24 and 10 in the last two years. And obviously there's something being built here. But, Danny, you talked about a contract. And I guess I'll come to you first with this one. It'll bring us to our final topic of the night. Um, Tyron Smith is slated to come back. And when he was signed it was widely viewed as one of the better contract wins the Cowboys have had in recent history. But now you, I saw your tweet and I saw you mention it. He hasn't played much and the return on investment as good as that contract was, hasn't been that great for the Cowboys. So I ask you, how do we feel about this? Is Tyron Smith coming back a good thing or are we ready to kind of move on from that situation? It's a tough question because I mean, he's such a wild card at this point. If, if, if I knew I'm getting, you know, 67% of availability from Tyron Smith. I have no problem paying the extra. And he's a, he's a 13.6, I think, is his, his base salary for 2023. And that's basically what the Cowboys have to ask themselves. Do they want to pay that or not? Um, one thing I, I I did hear from the or heard from the um, Stephen Smith oppressor is that, you know, a, a, a restructure, a, a is possibility. And I honestly think that I don't think I, I don't think Tyron plays under the, under his current base salary. I think the Cowboys, they try to work a restructure. They try to do something similar to, to Lawrence where they can get work a deal where he's, he's not making um, what he is, is slated to make. Is that a fair thing to do for a guy who is underpaid for most of his career, but at the same time has been overpaid for the last few years? I don't know, but the Cowboys want to make this, you know, put their, their roster in the best position. When you look at, you know, Ty, Tyler Smith and uh, Terrence Steele coming back from an injury, 
you know, you got a little bit of a, a shaky edge there and having that depth would certainly be something you'd love to have, but I'm not paying $13.6 million for my swing tackle. They didn't want to pay 10 million for it last year with LC. So, and, and we have to, we have to realize that, you know, father time is undefeated and, you know, Tyron Smith is likely to not play all 17 games there. So to me, it makes it super risky. How I feel about it is uh, pretty uneasy unless they work that um, pay reduction with time. Then I feel outstanding about it. You know, Brandon, I want to ask you this before I kind of give my uh, thought on it is, you know, Tyron Smith, I, I'm all in it. I want to keep him here, but it's right. The number has to be talked about, whether that's fair and, you know, whatever the case may be, I think the number has to be worked out a little bit, but I saw a little conversation about it on Twitter today. And is it a real possibility? I'll ask you and I'll give you a second to think about it. Is it really possible right now that the Cowboys starting five offense alignment are already on the team? And that's minus the free agency. We haven't hit that or the draft yet. But if you're looking left to right in this scenario, it would be Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith, Tyler Biotish, Zach Martin. And I only the indications is Terrence Steele is going to be ready for training camp. So in my mind, some people feel that may be the starting five. Two-part question. Are you happy? Are you good with Tyron Smith coming back? And do you see those being the five people that are out there week one? Uh, yes and yes. I think with Tyron Smith, his contract, I think it was 13, 13 and a half, 13.6, somewhere around there. And, you know, I think according to the, the stats, it, it looks like he's a, he's like a middle of the road for a salary for, for a left tackle. And, I'll, you know, I would love to obviously see the number come down a little bit. But I still think uh, you know, Tyron Smith is, is – I still think he's a top, top half of the league left tackle. And if you can get him for that, you know, for, for that, you know, a, a little bit discount, I think that's the, that's the ideal situation. But even if it's the – even if they keep the contract where it's at, which maybe not be ideal in some people's eyes, you know, you're paying, you're paying arguably, you know, a, a top 10 left tackle in, in the league you know, maybe top 16 money. I think that's – I think the, the return on that's pretty good. I mean, yes, he has the injury history. So for me, I think I think a pay cut should you know should be worked out. But I think I think within reason, I don't expect him to take a Zeke type of uh, pay cut to, to stay in Dallas. And and and, and to the and to your point with the the five the five uh, starting five for the offensive line, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I think that's I think that's where it's going to you know where it's going to be. And having and here's the thing, we saw Tyler Smith play pretty good ball on the edge there. He, he looked he looked pretty good all, you know when he played all season and and. You know, having having another year under his belt, even even if it is at left guard, think of it this way: the, your three, your, your top three, if you want to look at it, tackles are the Smiths, the the elder Smith and the younger Smith, and then Terrence Steele. I know he's you know he's had his injury issue, but you know that's I'm happy with those three, and because because you know we don't know what we're going to get out of. I mean, we know what we're going to get out of Josh Ball, not much, but uh, you know maybe we'll, we'll let's go, we'll see what happens there. But I'm I'm okay with that. I, I do think where the Cowboys, you know, should, you know, should look is to just kind of solidify the, the interior of the, of the offensive line, because eventually Tyron Smith gone. I think we all know that's coming. He's not a young man anymore by NFL standards. So I think eventually that, you know, sooner rather than later, I think he's going to, you know, he's going to be out the door and, and then Tyler Smith is going to slide over to the, you know, to the left tackle for, you know, hopefully the next decade. That's what we're hoping. That's the, that's the plan. So that means, we, you know, we need to see the Cowboys go after, uh, you know, a guard, whether it's draft, free agency. I would, I would like to see them, you know, go after the draft. You know, he maybe if the price is right, Connor McGovern, if, you know, if, you know, if he wants to come back, I think that's – he's a solid depth player. But I think, I think the Cowboys have been known to draft offensive linemen pretty well. So I, I, think, I think targeting interior offensive line is, is – is, I think that's going to be key going forward, regardless of if Tyron Smith's here long term, which I don't see that happening. But I think you have to you got to you have to service that position because Zach Martin is not getting younger either. So you have to think of long term. I mean, who who wants to think about Zach Martin not being on the Cowboys? I certainly don't. But you have to think about it that way. Where okay, there's there's a lot of good interior offense linemen in the NFL draft. You don't have to necessarily use a, a first or a second round pick. There's some developmental guys that can sit behind a Tyler Smith at left guard and a Zach Martin at right guard. And then when the time is right, you know, when, you know, when the, when the deck's getting shuffled a little bit, you can bring those guys in or, you know, bring, bring some more draft picks in and, and, and it'll, it'll all be good. Cause the Cowboys history of drafting offensive linemen has been, has been pretty good. You know, and LP said it earlier, Tyler Smith, you know, I'll be honest with you. I was not exactly thrilled with a Tyler Smith deal. Uh, you know, when he got drafted, 
you know, at the first round. I, you know, I looked at him. I looked at him as as a day two player, but the Cowboys obviously saw something in him, and it's you know, you know, I can't question them from that perspective. You know, LP, uh, Brandon kind of brought up a, a question for me that I was just thinking about while you were saying that is the Tyron Smith situation is a domino effect, right? If you don't bring Tyron Smith back, you you have questions at left guard. If you bring, if you keep Tyron Smith back, the question now becomes, is Tyler Smith your left guard, right? So how you handle that is kind of how you use the left side of that offense. Now, are you comfortable with Tyler Smith's development at left tackle being delayed by the fact that you have Tyron Smith there? Or are you just ready to go, you know what, we have Tyler Smith here at left tackle. Tyron Smith, you know, thank you for your service. We appreciate your time. Time to move on here. But where do you stand on the Tyron Smith? Are you okay with paying? You know, obviously we talked about the cap number being talked down. Mm-hmm. Um, are you okay with Tyron Smith being here? Do you feel like that may be a um, a progress stopper, so to speak? Or is how do you feel about that situation? No, no. I mean, I think you can't afford not to do it, you, to keep him. You have to keep him. Because, again, like, like Brandon had said, a lot of this stuff, man, it creates a lot of problems, doesn't it? Because if you have to move – Tyron Smith out of there. Now the question is left guard. Now the question, hey, is Matt Farniak ready to play? Is McGovern coming back? Zach Martin in year 10. It's a lot of questions you start asking. These guys start to kind of break down around the same time. The mistake we made in Dallas was we had a line that was a dominant line that got old together. And that's kind of what you had to do. You had to kind of extend the life cycle a little bit. It's, it's funny with Tyron Smith because he came in and kind of ushered the way out for Doug Free until he became the guy at left tackle. But now it's like the, the whole circle of life happening now. Like, I don't think there's a progress stop for Tyler Smith. I think he's a very good player, a powerful player. That's not going to lose those traits. And again, you know, you got into a spot last year where you're bringing in guys off the street like Jason Peters to play left guard. You don't want to do that again. So I think by keeping the guy in tow and you cross your fingers that he's healthy, you have the, the versatility of saying, hey, you know, Tyler Smith can play my, my right tackle, my left tackle. I got uh, Steele who may be ready to play, may not be ready to play because if he regresses, we're double short, and I don't want to play a ball any more than I have to. So, again, it's your assurances at every single cost, and they all have question marks for different reasons. However, one's injury, one's return from injury, one's, like, the future. You still, like like he had said, you got to bring in a guy uh, to play guard uh, in the draft, and that's going to be the way. You know, Danny, I wanted to come to you here, come circle back around. You heard every one of us kind of talk about this Tyron Smith situation. Is there anything that you would like to add? Is there anything that we said have may have changed or swayed the way you feel about it? Where exactly, in conclusion, put a bow on the Tyron Smith conversation for us? I think it's I think it's better for us to assume that Tyron Smith is not going to be available. It's it's risky to think otherwise, and the Cowboys need to have plans for that and um, obviously, be, having Tyler be able to play both positions, uh, and he actually played pretty well both positions, gives them that flexibility. I, I, the Cowboys have taken, even after the whole remodeling of when they had Frederick and Martin and, and, and Tyron, you know, they still, three of the last five drafts, they've taken an offensive lineman um, and within the first couple days of the draft. So they've taken them early. Uh, so I feel like that's going to be part of their plans. Uh, you know, where that ends up being, I don't know if they're going to take a tackle who has, you know, guard flex or, you know, where he fits in the big picture. But I think that they need to be thinking of a player that can be a part of this offensive line past Tyron Smith. Because as Brandon said, I mean, this is last year of his deal. We're not going to see Tyron play in 2024. So you got to have plans for that. Um, So I do think they will address it in this draft. But to answer your original question that you had asked is, are the starting five on the roster? In a perfect world, they are. You know, if, if, if Tyron could take a pay cut and the Cowboys can do what they wanted to do last year and have, have Tyron on the edge and Tyler next to him, that would be great. And the Cowboys could use resources to maybe get that receiver that we all want or, or corner to play opposite digs or something. And, you know, a day three running back that, you know, that we can, you know, replace uh, our running back. I mean, that's the, that's the perfect scenario too. But I do think that if you go into it, expect with some expectation of Tyron being a part of this team that could end up being a bad thing for the Cowboys because it has it has before because you know sometimes they don't have the right person in there and then Dak's on his back and we don't want that go ahead Brandon I just want to add I mean obviously we've been talking about Tyron Smith's injury problems does this kind of uh I gotta ask you guys about this do you think this is brings the importance of maybe bringing Conor Montgomery back in the mix 
No, not to me. I think he's priced out. If personally, I, I do. I have faith in Farniak too, and I do think that I do think they're going to get a guard. And also too, who knows what's going on with with, with Waletsko? I think Waletsko. You know, he's dealt with shoulder injury. You know, all of last year he heard it like three times. If he's healthy, I honestly think he could be part of you know the the swing tackle. It gives you some flexibility there with with uh, Tyler too. So I I think McGovern like Williams before him is priced out of that. I don't think the Cowboys are going to throw money in to re-sign him. That's my personal thought. You know what also I forgot about is that uh, we have a contract year for Biotis too, right? Yes, that's correct. Man, Extension. Man, look, look, at this point, you might have to go double up on uh, offensive linemen high. You might have to go back-to-back round one and two or one, one and three because it seems like you have a lot of spaces to fill. And, again, it's the contracts. Now, like, you know, um, good point about McGovern, by the way, who has flex at – guard and center which may price himself way out of your market so i do think in that regard you might have to be looking at taking a lineman maybe round two and three maybe not round one but it's it's wow how about that you know i wanted to circle back to what's a matter super chat here and again thank you for the super chat um we have to think of tyron as a luxury not a pillar i say him I say keep him, but draft a D2 alignment to grow into a starter by next year. I think that's a good point, and I think it's to Danny's point where, you know, anytime you have Tyron Smith out there, I kind of felt like, man, like, we're lucky to have him out here. Like, it feels good, but, like, cherish this moment because <laughs> it's not always going to happen. And uh, I think that's kind of well said by what's the matter there. And, Brent, I thought you had a thought there. What do you have? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we can go to the well again in the draft and, and draft another Wisconsin center. You know, Joe Tittman, uh, he's going to be – a day two, maybe early day three guys. So, you know, Biotis and LP made a good point. LP, you know, and with, uh, with Biotis's contract situation, I mean, we've had Frederick, we, you know, we've had Biotis. I mean, you know, why not go to the well one more time with another Wisconsin center who, uh, and Joe Titman was a good, who's a pretty good prospect. Before Danny, I know you got your finger up before you do that. I want to get to the, another super chat from Brian, the, the crowd, People have been awesome tonight, so I want to shout them out. Brian says, get Tyron Smith to take a pay cut with bonus possibilities with the plan on him starting until Steele comes back. Then he can be swing tackle and get some rest and be depth. I think that's that idea. I think there's some merit to that. And, uh, Danny, you had a point? I just wanted to, to speak quickly about the Cowboys' approach uh, along the offensive line recently. I feel like – I don't know if you want to call it lucky or what it is about them, but they have been really excited about players they have drafted. You know, it, it, with with the player like for example we have Connor Williams when they, they could they could have had Earl Thomas remember that whole thing you know they could trade that pick but Connor Williams was there so uh so they they didn't want to give that up and you know Connor McGovern was not a player they were thinking of drafting when and we actually didn't need uh offensive line help there but they they just couldn't pass on him in the, the third round so that was kind of a surprise and of course everybody with the Tyler Smith you know and I'll raise my hand as the one of the biggest naysayers with that guy but they knew what they were doing. So I feel like the Cowboys, you know, I, I feel like they can sniff this out and they can they can bring a quality offensive lineman in, in this draft. And um, so I, I'm not worried about it. Um, I think they'll get there. Uh, I, but the only thing I'd be worried about is if we were expecting, you know, Tyron to play 17 games and our offensive line, you know, the the ability of that line depend on that. So that's, I just want to throw that in there about the, they do a good job. They do a good job with undrafted guys, so like Terrence Still too, but they do a good job overall. But you give them some draft capital, and I think they're going to get a quality. I mean, look at Biotis too, and you know, the, the list goes on. They do a good job on offensive line. That's one of the one of the strengths that this team has is is finding quality offensive linemen. So, not not worried about that. You know, um, speaking of doing a great job. As we round out the show here, I want to talk about you guys and how well you guys did here. Um, it's 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 a breath of fresh air to have an off-season roundtable where there's actual legitimate storylines and things to talk about. So shout out to the Combine. Shout out to Stephen Jones for talking here. And uh, while I got you here, LP, I want to ask you, who do you think you won, who won tonight? I mean, you can say it's yourself. You can pick yourself. You can be no. modest. Who do you think it was? Nah. Brandon. <laughs> Brandon. Thanks. Brandon, he picks Brandon. you, so who do you think won? Tony, I think you're the winner. You did a hell of a job hosting tonight. Yeah. You're going to butter me up, and you might end up getting the victory out of that. No, I'm not going <laughs> to So, uh, Danny, last one here. Who do you got? Are you going to be the one person to pick yourself here? I am not because I think I think everybody did a great job. I am not going to actually pick between any, but I am going to throw myself out of the running because I want to say one last thing. The Cowboys sure. will not re-sign Donovan Wilson. And I know Jerry uh, Steven said that you know they're making a priority. I think that's – Lip service. Um, 
I think he's a player that's priced out of the Cowboys. So I know it's very unpopular. So, you know, I just, I'll just walk off the plank there. But uh, if you have, if you have high hopes that Dono will return, you might want to temper your expectations because I just don't see how that's going to work. I mean, that's fair enough, Danny. And you know what? As I pull up this banner here, I'm going to stall a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to stall up because I am going to announce the winner. And if, uh, you know, I do say so myself, it seems to be that he is the people's champ tonight. And the winner is LP, man. I love when we get somebody coming in who comes in, gives fresh takes, isn't here all the time. I'm going to tell you right now on live in front of everybody, put you on the spot. Join us more often, man. Come through as much That's as you all, want. Man. That's yeah, all, come man. out here and enjoy us. So, LP, do you have any acceptance speech? Any last words here before we kind of get going? Nah, man. Uh, thank you. You guys have me on. Again, thanks to the fans, too. I, I mean, you guys go through these battles like we do on Twitter, wherever, at your workplace, at the water cooler. You, you guys take a lot of heat, as do we. So we only do it thanks to you guys. So appreciate y'all a bunch. Absolutely. Anybody else? Danny, Brandon, speak now. Forever hold your peace. LP, come hang out with us again, man. It's always good to have you on. Gentlemen, thank you all, man. Appreciate it. I got to tend to these uh, wild kids. <laughs> so, all right. So, typically, I'm the one who gets put on the, you know, I, I got to be the one to do some noises here. But, Brandon, you want to help me out? You want to do something kind of wild and wacky to get us out of here so it's not me tonight? Oh, God. I got You got to put me on the spot. I mean, what kind of noise you want? You know what? Make Make anything that comes to your mind. Don't even think about it. Just let it go. You know what? That works for me. And let me uh, let me close this out of here. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.